Okay, I am uh, very excited. This is not a joke. I'm here with Senator Lisa Murkowski. Live and in color. I can't believe it. Yeah, I'm here. So excited you're here. Thanks for the invite. I think you invited me a long time ago and for a host of different reasons, you know. But now, I mean, you've had Dan here. You've had Don here. I just can't be the single member of the delegation that hasn't appeared. Actually, Dan Sullivan's weekend, so you're second. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, I beat him. Good. Don Young was talking about his time with Nixon and... Some really crazy, funny stories. I have no time with Nixon, so So, I can't speak to that. So we're here in Juneau. Yeah. Um, You're here to give uh, your speech, your speech to the joint session of the legislature. My annual address, I think this is 16, 16th annual. And it just seems like, you know, it just seems like a few years ago that I was sitting in these, in the, in the chamber and listening to the annual address given by our senators. So it's, it's wild how quickly the time has gone. But it is, it is by far my, um, the speech that I spend the most time on uh, because I think it matters to me when I am with my colleagues that I, I, I try to be helpful, I try to be constructive, I try to um, give them a little bit of, of encouragement. And, and this year is kind of interesting because you've got... 14 new members of the legislature and this is kind of a new process and of course they've had a kind of a challenging uh, a, little, a little rocky start in the house yeah they, they broke the record they broke the record 1981 see misery loves company here they broke the record in terms of organizing we broke the record in dc with the longest federal shutdown ever so yeah, so many know, records oh, so many records so many things that really you would like to I forget was, i'm I was, sure i was joking that we kind of had our own little mini shutdown here in the house over the last you know month when they weren't organizing we were kind of well yeah people were talking about that when you can't when you can't get to the business of introducing the bills and hearing the bills and doing all that, it really does kind of feel like a little bit of a shutdown. And you, so. you, you were in the legislature from 98 to 02, right? Correct. Before you were... Uh, yeah, right, right. So, so you were there in a pretty contentious time with low, low oil prices and... It was crazy, Jeff. When I, when I first got in, um, uh, we were looking at $11 oil. Mm-hmm. And we thought that that was... That was awful until it went to nine dollars a barrel. Can you imagine nine dollars a barrel? So we are uh, we were operating at a time when it was hard. Maybe it was a little bit easier for me because I didn't know any other time. So I just assumed that the legislature was just tough business, and you always grapple with really difficult and challenging issues. Uh, but that was back in the day where uh, once again I I kind of found. Um, fellow renegades that said, look, we've, we've got to do something here. We, we uh, formed a, um, a fiscal policy caucus. Right. Andrew Halcrow gave me a copy of that mm-hmm. um, a couple years ago. It, mm-hmm. it, was, it was striking to me how similar the proposals were. I mean, they were basically identical yep. to the ones that yep. been the solutions, at. The solutions <clears throat> didn't really change. It, what, what happened was... Um, perhaps a, a, a greater awareness of the of the public, a greater um, understanding and appreciation that we've got to to address some of these things. Uh, you know, that was when we really started talking about the way that you can can soften that impact of a market, uh, Wall Street market that goes up and down, and and 
and the uh, the price of oil fluctuating and production going down. You know how you reconcile all this. We uh, we met we met for a couple years. We would meet at Representative Bill Hudson's house. He lived out in the valley. We ate more bad cold pizza hmm. to kind of get us through our our sessions. Um, but it was it was a really formative time uh, for me, uh, working with with folks who who really said this is about the, the the good of the state and and the future of our state. This was not about me and my little district on Government Hill or or Gail Phillips was part of our group. She was from Homer and and Drew Scalzi, Bill Hudson, uh, Andrew Halcrow. This was. This was really a uh, a difficult time that really required um, a a not only visionary think- thinking but just acknowledging we we've got some problems and they're going to require some hard solutions. So so after that, the price of oil started to gradually rise and yep. then it really you know hit hundred and almost hundred and fifty. And what I said was we got saved. It's kind of like the rich uncle dying. He dies, and all of a sudden you have an inheritance, and now you don't need to fix your problem because you've got money in the bank, and it just happened. This is kind Not of because of, of what we did to change our policies. It happened because of everything that was going on around the world, and, and we were the beneficiary. This happened in, you know, the night. Like, there was a recession in the 80s, and the Valdez, Exxon Valdez brought money, but then the price of oil yeah. went up. Um, what do you think would have happened if the price of oil wouldn't have Increased like it did. I think we probably would have had to to take some some um, strong medicine. Uh, we would have worked more um, aggressively to to deal with uh, spending priorities. Um, it may it may have uh, it may have included additional revenue. Um, uh, it it would you I think you would have seen. I think you would have seen uh, changes uh, to to the way that we do business around here that uh, that we didn't see. I mean, there was there were there have been plenty of years um, in the in the past fifteen years here where we had good oil years and we spent that. We had that. Old, we old spent old that bumper sticker. You know, give us another oil boom. We won't blow. You know, won't blow it or. I think it was going to piss it away. Going to piss it away, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, that's, that's not how you govern either. Um, you, need to have, you need to have policies in, in place instead of just hoping that you get lucky, hoping that the price of oil is going to go up, hoping that others are going to invest in your state um, to, to, to produce resources that will give us wealth. We need to believe in ourselves. We need to invest in ourselves. We need to have policies that allow for a level of, of, of sustainability going forward. And, you know, we don't have a very good, we don't have a really very good track record in some of this because um, we've, we've been that boom and bust state when it comes to, to our resources. You know, when I was a kid living here in, in Southeastern, um, Hey, it was it was all about the timber industry. Well, there's no more timber industry to speak of down here. That was another big boom and and a bust. And uh, you know, I I went to high school in Fairbanks. 
what's Fairbanks famous for? Big boom and big bust when it came to to uh, to gold mining in the interior. Now the good news for us is we've got good solid operating uh, mines that uh, that are in the interior. But that was that was again one of those booms and a bust. And it goes back to to the fur trading and uh, and and you know here we are now with with oil. So. I was. I would say. I wish if I could go back in time, I think I would pick going to Fairbanks during the pipeline, building the pipeline. Because I've oh, heard, man. I've read books and I've heard stories. I was in high school. Oh, I was man. in high I've, school. Ooh. I graduated. I graduated the year after um, First Oil, so uh, I lived in Fairbanks during the height of the pipeline boom, and uh, again, I didn't. I didn't know Fairbanks before that. We didn't move there until about four years earlier. And I just figured that that Fairbanks was this hustle, bustle, make a deal. Everybody's working, partying hard. It was a, it was a, it was a fast. Probably just nor- maybe normal to you because you didn't. Well, it was. It was like, before. oh, it's just Fairbanks. Um, but it was, it was a, uh, it was an environment that was just like on steroids. It was like, Wow. So I read, we're just talking to Fairbanks, speaking of Fairbanks, did, uh, where did I read that at? Did, did your dad or somebody have a house? Did Ronald Reagan stay the night there years ago? Yeah, yeah. So I read the, that somewhere. Yeah, and, and it's 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 true story. So the, the story on this is the, the family home that we lived in uh, all throughout high school, and my sister, you know, bought it from my parents. I mean, we still have it. I go back yeah, to that's Fairbanks why, and I stay in my the, own bedroom. There was a, something over the summer that was there. An event or something happened, and then somebody—that's what—that's someone told me that Ronald Reagan had stayed there. In fairness, he didn't actually stay in that house. My uh, my my brother, my my dad, um, decided that they wanted to to develop uh, on one end of the of this family property, and they were going to build this nice. They thought at at one point in time it was going to be couple nice townhomes. They got into it and realized this is a lot of work and it's not really fun to do. So they finished this one nice home and, uh, and then dad's in, dad's in the Senate and uh, the Pope and Ronald Reagan are going to be coming to town. This is a big deal that he helped finagle that they were going to be meeting in the Fairbanks International Airport. Uh, It was John Paul. And, so anyway, long story longer, um, the president was going to get here first, needed a place to stay, and they were worried about the security. Dad says, hey, I got this great place. What he didn't tell him was that this great place had no furniture, had never been lived in. <laughs> so they literally went down to Nerland's Home Furnishings, borrowed furniture to put in the house, and uh, uh, the Reagans the Reagans go there and my father gets a call from not the security detail but from the president himself at like 2.30 a.m. Frank, there's no hot water in this place. (laughs) And my dad says, he says, he says, well, just go, go downstairs and flip that switch over there and if that doesn't work, just keep running the water for a while. But, you know, you think about this. The president calling him up saying, I don't have any hot water. And my dad, instead of saying, I'll be right over, go downstairs in the basement, flip that switch and run the water. Make sure the boiler's working. <laughs> yeah. Wow, so anyway, he did stay there. 
Yeah, no, I, I heard that, there. and then it was some some article I found where they yeah. talked about it. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping to talk about a bit. You've you've um, really become a, a prominent national figure here in the last. Some would say years. I've become a prominent annoyance or, or pain some in the rear end, but probably different people would classify it uh, differently. But you know, like last night, Meet the Press when they were starting the beginning credits, there was a, a clip of you talking and you know with the healthcare stuff mm-hmm. it is. So you've been, what, since 2003, 2002? 2003, um, well, I was I was sworn in uh, December 20th of 2002. Okay, so what, 16, 17 mm-hmm. years? Mm-hmm. So in the last couple of years with, you know, I think the healthcare was the first with uh, the healthcare vote. Um, how much different is it now being in, in D.C. where you're all over the TV all the time, you and Senator Susan Collins, compared to when you were just, you know, because a lot of senators, I think, if I saw half of them, I wouldn't even know who they were. Probably. Well, I am not a, a a political person that seeks the limelight. I'm not comfortable in it. I don't. Uh, I I don't go on the the Sunday shows. I have colleagues that that arm wrestle to get on, and you know, I have my press team that's like, oh, you know, you've got this invitation, and it's like, no. They must be asking you a lot now, right? With all the stuff. They they are, and and that's not. My, my, I don't. I don't want to. I, I don't want to be part of the, the the rhetoric. If I've got something constructive to do, I want to try to to work towards solutions. And and so, like for instance, in this in this shutdown that we just had, you know, thirty five days longest shutdown in in, in the federal government. Um, I wanted to just sit down with colleagues and say, what are we going to do? I didn't want to negotiate this in the press. Um, I. I wanted everybody to stay in Washington, get our work done, and get people back to work, whether they're the, the Coast Guard who are working without pay or whether it's the people that were, you know, we're trying to process the permits for for you know, what we're doing up north. Uh, we yeah, the, needed, the Anwar, I think, was a big concern so, for people, and the Coast Guard, too, yeah, were two big concerns. Yeah, and, and, and so, you know, we had, we had some people, it's like, oh, you know, whatever, a partial shutdown, that's not the, the end of things, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's okay. It's not okay, but the way that you resolve it is not to go out there and, and get on national news, it's to call up a couple colleagues who are coming at it from a different perspective and saying, okay, can we meet in, in your office and talk through some of these suggestions? Because we got to figure out how we're going to resolve this. And so I, 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 don't, I don't like the, 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 the scrum that comes around me anymore. It's just... So when you're walking, uh, I mean, when you're walking around now in D.C. compared to five or ten years ago, I mean, is it... Do people approach you? I mean, is it media? I think she, Karina showed me a picture of... of you awesome. in the hallway and it was like it was like 40 30 or 40 cameras and lights and people yeah. and it was it looked like something out of a movie it's it is awful it's suffocating they're they're so close and you know they put all these these smartphones in front of you there are all these recording devices yeah, no, and everyone's sharding and, and asking questions you know how many times have i been walking through the hallways and there's so many around you and and they're walking so close that they clip the back of your heel and my shoe comes off and it's like yeah i literally stopped one time to put my shoe on and boom 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 they all like fall into me it's crazy it's it's Wow, it's, it's like, crazy. It's like, being, it's like you're famous now. <laughs> no, I don't know that it's famous. Well, to the press, I mean, to the press and media. And- well, 
you know, I think I think they're looking for someone that is 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 willing to kind of call it for what it is. Um, and so I've been told, oh, you're so direct, you're so refreshing, um, because I, I guess I'm sometimes I'm not as politically nuanced as 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 some would uh, would say, but. Uh, I'll tell you, I was I was walking yesterday in Anchorage. We had great snow, and I'm I'm walking across Lake Hood. So, I, you know, you're kind of looking up, but then you got to hunker down. And I was just thinking about the expression: which is it? Do you hold your head up or do you keep your head down? And I thought, you know, this is this is my life in Washington D.C. There's a there's a group of people that are just by God, they're keeping their head down. They don't want to. <laughs> They don't want to get tweeted about. They're just going to keep their head down and keep plowing through. And then you think about it, and it's like, no. You, you hold your head up knowing that what you're doing is, is in the best interest of the people that have asked you to serve. And, and it, it can be hard, and it can be a little uncomfortable, and perhaps you get some, some attention that you didn't really want. But if you are... If you have done your work, if you, if you really uh, have listened to the people that you work for, you should have that confidence to, to hold your head up mm-hmm. with that decision and, and just move forward. So what's your, I mean, I know it's been, you know, with Anwar, that's been a great thing, yeah. but then there was the health, health, what's your relationship like with President Trump? Are you guys, because he's tweeted about you before, you're, you're, he, one, of, you're one of the ones, you've, yeah, you've yeah. got the, tw- the Twitter, the tweets. You know, he, he has, he has commented. Um, but what I can tell you is, well, we're not on speed dial with one another. I continue to be invited to the White House to be part of these conversations when we're trying to figure out uh, ways to get through these issues. So um, I think that there is a healthy respect. I have, uh, I have that for him, and I would like to think that, that he has it for me. Uh, he has mentioned on more than one occasion that uh, I'm a pretty tough lady and I don't think you have a nickname yet do you so you I don't you think got, so you have that going for I think that's I think that's uh, <laughs> to that's... my to to my credit or not to my credit but certainly I think that that's a good thing that I don't have to deal with a nickname um, maybe he does have one for me and he just hasn't shared it I mean it's just so much he says but I mean I gotta say he's he's pretty good at the nicknames I mean he really knows how to pick they them. sure stick they stick they, they, they sure always stick. stick yeah 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 but um you know, he is, it's very interesting, his style. Um, I've, I have served with now three presidents, um, George Bush, uh, President Obama, President Trump. And uh, Bush was a really likable... Um, would they say that he, somebody people want to have a beer with? That's absolutely, the thing. absolutely. And he would invite us over to the White House, you know, different groups, bipartisan groups, and very casual and just telling jokes, nice, easygoing guy. Um, but he never really came up to the white uh, to the uh, to the Capitol. He would be, you know, you'd be invited down to the White House. President Obama, not only did he not come to the Capitol, he didn't invite folks to the White House. It was a very, very different environment for his eight years. Trump, Trump likes this kind of engagement. He's come up to our, um, our, our conference lunches probably 
a half dozen times already. And, you know, that's not easy because you got to have all the security mm-hmm. coming for the president for just there for a while. But he comes in <clears throat> and shocking. He's not scripted. Um, <laughs> but He finds the camera, doesn't he? <laughs> he? Well, he's just talking to us. There is no camera. He's just talking to us. And he will he'll go all over with, you know, whatever the issue is. And he he really likes that that banter um, and, and the back and forth. And then he does a lot where he will reach out to different, different groups, um, just call people up and say, you know, why don't you come over for, for, uh, for dinner? And there's a few people that are there. I was invited to, to dinner once and I couldn't go. And I think, I think he felt I jilted him. So I got to make up for that. But, um, uh, you know, he's a very, very, uh, he's got a very engaging <laughs> a unique, personality. Unique style, doesn't he? Very unique, very unique. Well, Not, I remember there was the, um, I think it was about Anwar. It was you and Senator Sullivan and Congressman Young. You guys were all sitting, I think you all, all three spoke, actually. It was outside. It was a whole bunch of senators and representatives. Oh, oh, oh yeah. That was after the signing ceremony. And it was, yeah. I think it was about the Anwar, right? Yeah. And, and yep. the tax bill, I guess. But, yeah. Um, it's interesting because I'm somebody who who looks at President Trump, and I just really I'm just flabbergasted and confused by a lot of what he says and what he what he does. But then you look at Alaska with with Anwar, with the uh, what's the road um, Eisenberg, Eisenberg King and then, Cove, yeah, and then other stuff with you know regulations and oil and ga- gas. I mean, it's I think we've probably arguably benefit. We're one of the states that's benefited the most from his administration. Well, think about it. His priorities when it comes to to resources are in alignment with with what happens in Alaska. He he has made very very clear that energy dominance is a priority for him. So where do you have energy? Well, we got it. We got it here in Alaska and then some. And so uh, his efforts to help with uh, advancing our opportunities for our oil, for our natural gas. Uh, you know, we've had, we've had a level of cooperation from the Department of Agriculture and the Secretary himself on, on engagement on Tongass issues. I've been trying to get focus on this for so long now, and you know, it may not be exactly the recipe that everybody's looking for, but at least we've got, we've got that engagement. We had. Uh, you know, we've got some very, very specific issues that are perhaps unique to Alaska, and we have, uh, we've got folks within the administration that are, uh, I think, genuinely interested in in how we can address some of the peculiarities that that we deal with. I think you know, it seemed under President Obama there was a kind of concern about maybe the lack of interest in our our resources, and now it seems like it's kind of gone the other way, with, especially with Anwar. Yeah. NPRA. Well, I think I think with the Obama administration, um, there was a tension on Alaska, uh, and there was a tension on Alaska and the Arctic because of of climate change and the fact that President Obama had made that such an initiative. And and I am one who who believes that we are dealing with the issue of climate change, with our infrastructure, uh, our communities that are seeing erosion, what it means for food security. But I know that Alaska and the Arctic is more than just climate change. And and this administration, I think they're 
they're not wanting to talk about the climate change part of it. What, what they do, what they are recognizing is that even Arctic needs to have an economy because there are people in the Arctic. Well, and with the Arctic, you know, when I spent a lot of time in Russia and, mm-hmm. and um, I've actually met with some people over years ago uh, that were involved in Arctic. This back in 2012. And back then they were saying how shocked they were. We didn't have a large icebreaker fleet or we weren't doing much. And it hasn't really much changed since then. Ah. Yeah, I think Russia has like 50 icebreakers. 40, 44, I think. And China's but who's getting counting? A, China's has icebreakers and, you know. Six. We're, we're, I think we have a couple, right? We have one well, old one. I don't count a couple. We have, we have the Polar Star, which is on her second life and only has a few more years in her. She will never see Arctic waters again. She does the, 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 uh, the breakout for McMurdo down in the Antarctica. The Polar Sea is um, at Dry Dock, in, not Dry Dock, but she's at Dock in Seattle. She's never going to move again. And what we have is the medium-strength uh, Healy. And this is the great, very capable uh, research vessel, uh, research and 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 and, um, and coast guard. But um, it's not a polar class icebreaker. So with the omnibus that we just passed last week, we now have full funding for a polar security cutter. That is code for icebreaker. Oh wow! And we not only have full funding for the first icebreaker in over forty years we have funding for the design uh, not the design build out but the but the um, um, kind of the moving towards the the second so uh, are they gonna build it in Ketchikan wouldn't we <laughs> wouldn't just love it we'd have to expand the the yard a little bit maybe with the medium strength because right now the proposal from the Navy the uh, the, the study that was done was three heavy icebreakers, three medium strengths. So maybe with the mediums, maybe we could yeah, build I've one seen, there. I've seen pictures, pictures of some of those Russian icebreakers. They're just massive. Oh, they're massive. And, and there's so many, and you know, they've just taken such a interest in the, and in the, I think there's so many resources there with the shipping routes and all the, um, I've always wondered, I mean, I think it's, we're moving towards more involvement. Their, their icebreakers are LNG powered. They're nuclear powered. Um, Russia, Russia is, is is really kind of cleaning our clocks here when it comes to their um, engagement in they, the Arctic. They, they buried the remember, didn't they bury a plaque there many years ago? Some they went deep down and they buried some. They said we were taking possession. Oh no, of the, it was the flag. <clears throat> remember, the flag, it was the, the flag, flag yeah, on the bottom a, of the seabed. Yeah, they went down there and they kind yeah. of claimed it, and everybody's kind of like, yeah, oh, it was oh. on the cover of Time Magazine. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. Uh, yeah. We only have about, they're telling us about five minutes, so there's two things I wanted to okay. cover. So I've met a lot of people, uh, I do politics here, and a lot of people who have worked for you uh-huh. for the last 17 years, and many of them have, have kind of worked for you and they've gone to higher positions, or it seems like there's so many people I've met that have, you know, at some point or another worked for as an intern or some position. So you must, when you're here in the Capitol or in Anchorage, you probably see a lot of folks that... You recognize that have worked for your Well, years. and that we, we keep in touch with. Um, I'm particularly proud of, of the interns. You know, what we do is we've got a program that takes young, young people who have just graduated from high school. So they come back to Washington, D.C. for a month. They live in a college dorm. Um, they, they work 
in our office. They they job shadow me. But it's it's life changing. I was an intern for Ted Stevens when I got out of high school under this same program. So we've continued it. But it is for some of these kids, it's the first time they have been out of Alaska. For some, it's it, it's the first time they've been out of their little community, and they're in Washington, D.C. They're transformed. And uh, so I do all these intern sightings where I do a, a selfie with my intern, and we post it just to kind of keep contact. But the, the professional staff that we've had between, um, between the Energy Committee, the Alaska staff, and the D.C. staff, um, I am extraordinarily proud of the professionals that we have really helped grow to give an Alaskan an opportunity to come back, be part of, of the policy making that goes on, and then to be able to go back to the state, come back to the state, and, and, and take that, mm-hmm. and, and then give back in ways that is really quite remarkable, whether it's fish policy or, um, you know, the, the governor's um, ledge director, was yeah, she was back in on my for, energy committee as the as the oil and gas person, and so you bring back all of the the networks and the skill sets. Um, it's pretty impressive. All right, last thing I have to ask you about: so uh, the earthquake, I guess it was last year, not the not the November one, but the one in the middle of the night right. um, that happened, and there was all the tsunami concerns. Right, and it was worrying the people in Kodiak. Yeah. So, so I wrote did an article about it, and then about a week later. I get a call from somebody I know in D.C. and they say, you have to watch this clip. And, and I watched it. And I think for people who, I'll play, can I play it real quick for people who haven't heard it? But it was you and the Energy Committee. Right. And I'll just play right. it real quick. So, I was woken up uh, on Tuesday morning to a phone that was just wild with communication from friends all over Alaska. Uh, but I got not only the tsunami warning, um, that, uh, that came from, I guess it was the alaskalandmine.com. I don't know where, where that one comes from. But. So we, we use that last part. <laughs> I don't Alaska know where Land, that we, For all from. the parody videos we do and the humor, we put that on the end of it, that, that your voice. And people always go, is that Senator Murkowski? Why is she? So, so can you say what happened? I mean, did somebody send you the article? Or? Somebody sent me the article. And, and so I'm, I'm reading it. Uh, because as it just so happened, we had this nat, uh, this committee hearing on national natural hazards, and it was like incredible timing. And I, I, I forget which friend had forwarded me that, and so it's always a little bit scary when your staff realizes that she's reading something off of her phone. Who sent it? Is it real? Can we verify this? Because we did the article. And we I had contacts in Homer and, and Seward and, and, you know, um, Kodiak I was talking to about the evacuation and the yeah. sirens and we kept updating the art. It got like fifteen or 1,600 shares. So, I mean, it was a pretty red, red article because um, I happened to be up. The thing hit at like midnight and it was pretty, pretty scary. Um, not, not like the last one, but I always put that on the end of our funny videos and people always get a kick out of it. Well, now it won't work anymore because now I know what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Now I can say it's your verifiable news source right here. Well, it's still good because your your voice is like, 
what is that? You know, I have no <laughs> idea what that is. Well, Senator Murkowski, I know you're very busy. and uh, uh, It's good to be with I, you. This, yeah, no, is, this, is, this is fun. This has been this great. Is fun. I think uh, maybe some of the other uh, media people are probably going to be a little jealous that I got 30 minutes with... Uh, you don't do that. I haven't really found any pot. Have you done podcasts before? Or? I kind of tried to look, but... I, I really haven't done that many, I guess. So y- this might be the inaugural. Who knows? Well, we could do it again sometime. I, there I you go. It was, it was, uh, there no, you go. No, no gotchas. I promise I don't do that. So No, it's good. It's, a, good it's fun, and thank well, you. Thanks for doing this and, and providing a source of information well, for, for Alaskans. Appreciate that. It's a lot of fun. There's no shortage of content here in Juneau, so... As, oh, you, yeah. as you know. Well, when it dries up here, you can always come back to Washington, oh. D.C. There's well, no I, shortage there. We're going to come out at some point. That's kind of part of the plan. So uh, good luck tomorrow. I'll be good. checking that out. And thanks again. Thanks. Okay, Senator Murkowski. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Landline.